1: legends and welcome to the sodic den under podcast i'm your host jared and joining me on tonight's pot noodle is john and shane how are you johnny
0: i'm very good i'm doing well just as always saying to you guys off pod i had a very nice little holiday in melbourne recently it was extremely wet and freezing so yeah going from 31 to 12 was a bit of a a shock to the system but i survived it obviously i'm here so yeah no it was nice i haven't been in melbourne in god it must have been over three years now so It was nice to see the old stomping ground in Brunswick. So,
1: yeah, enjoyed it. Welcome to our world, Johnny. Oh, God, yeah.
0: (laughs) What I needed was like proper uh, scarf and gloves and a proper jumper and stuff and not just a rain jacket (laughs) because, yeah, that was a shock. (laughs) Going from
1: tropical to dreary and dreek. It was a bit of a, (laughs) yeah, forgot how it was like. (laughs) It's the whole four seasons in one day down here. You never know, so always have a jacket. Yeah, I needed it. Sure, that's pretty much what it is, but anyway, everyone's not here to um, you know, listen to us ramble about Melbourne weather, so we'll uh, we'll crack on because there's been a few little topics this week that have occurred. Oh, I wonder what they could be. Mm, there was only mm-hmm. uh, Derby, there's some financials that have been released on a certain team sneakily last Friday, Kevin Clancy, cop and death threats, um, and a whole bunch of other things. Robbie Niel- Nielsen. So we'll go, we'll get through all of them over the next hour or so and, um, yeah, have a bit of a chit chat. So, um, yeah, Celtic three, Sevco two, Johnny, Joe, just get your overall thoughts on the game. Uh, Whoa.
0: heart in your mouth, sort of stuff. Um, overall, I thought we were better, obviously. I think that was, I think we, we, we did push ahead. Um, I had, three neutrals sitting next to me on the couch uh, and they seem to enjoy it a lot so even for the the unbiased and neutral it was an entertaining game you have to say that um i thought uh Sevco did well in big spells of the game they controlled it well they pressed well um the the build up their build up play was very good uh we sort of left not came off it a little bit for a while um But overall, we kind of matched them and then eventually obviously went ahead. Um, We'll go through individual players in a bit, I guess. But yeah, just overall, I think it was probably a fair result. Um, But we had to work for it. We definitely had to work for it. But But enjoyable to watch for anyone.
1: Yeah, for me, it was one of those games where I didn't really feel like it was one to worry about, if that makes sense. Like we got the early goal, then they scored late on. Then we score again, you know, and then we get another one. So we got three, two. They score. Yeah, okay, whatever. At that point, I wasn't even really worried that they were, I didn't feel like they were threatening us and they were gonna score. Like mm. all their goals, and as it was said on um it's a it called on the weekend review on Monday night, is that all their goals against us this season have come from set play situations. All of our goals have come from open play. So Watching the game, I actually wasn't really worried at all in terms of, you know, are we going to concede a goal here? Like, I was not worried. There's a few players we're going to touch on later on anyway. The main review, has been done to death on Monday's pod, last night's pod they spoke about it as well. So we're just going to get the overall cliff notes on it. But for me, I thought 3-2, fair result, we got the points. Probably should have been 4-2 if Burnaby didn't square it to nobody. And um, other than that, like, job done. But Shane, what was your your take on the game? Uh,
2: yeah, similar kind of take. Um, I thought it was a, a pretty scrappy kind of game, particularly that first half. Um, and it continued a little bit for the second half as well, but punctuated by uh, moments of quality and brilliance, really, uh, in a couple of the goals. and a couple of the plays from some individuals that we'll mention later as well. But um, look, I thought we we weren't really at our best. I thought particularly first half, um, we were pretty, pretty slack with passing. I don't think the midfield really clicked. Second half, we looked a lot better, I thought, but still probably not at the level we're used to. Um, but I always felt we had enough quality uh, on the pitch to get the job done. And uh, look, it should have been more comfortable than it was in the end, but uh, it was still a fair result and we were definitely the better team.
1: So there was a couple of little things we want to discuss here. So we'll start with the goals. So Kyogo's first goal just basically barely had any service up until that point to then just be like whack and get it done. Fair effort, good finishing there. Shane, you wanna anything you wanna add on that, that goal there? Or
2: just a quality finish, quality finish from a quality striker.
1: I think the play to get the cross into him was I think it was O'Reilly, if my memory was right.
2: Actually, yeah. So that's probably something worth um you've you've played me in beautifully and I've let you I've let you down, sorry. Um <laughs> yes, uh so O'Reilly, um lovely touch to take the ball uh, into the box and pass the defender and then puts it across to uh to Kyogo. Uh, I'm gonna say it, it was Tom Rogicesk. Uh, just that first touch and then the thing. Yeah, you go. See, it took a while. The coffee hasn't quite kicked in. It was Tom Rogic esque and it was a lovely finish from Kyogo, but it really was made
1: by O'Reilly. Yep, <laughs> I was setting you up, Shane. It was there. All you can just tap it into an empty net. Keeper was gone, out of position. Alan McGregor, out of position, gone. All you can just tap it in. And,
2: and, I, and I wasn't in a, in such a tight angle as Jota was, and I've still put it wide. Uh, I, I, you know what? i pla- I I don't know what was what was worse. My initial answer to that, or Bernabe's, uh
1: passed to
0: nobody. <laughs> yeah. Very mm. similar.
1: Yeah. <laughs> they're on the same level. But anyway, well, um, yeah. So we'll just crack on to like their equaliser. The um, the goal from Tavernier. Credit where it's due.
0: Yeah, it was cracking, wasn't it?
1: Fair free kick. Like I, I think we. I'm missing someone like that who can just step up from a corner and deliver the ball onto a you know onto someone's head or get a free kick and pull it in we don't have that player in the team. So that was I was a class finish and I'll just give credit on that. But the foul before it was it really a foul Johnny um oh, for, uh, memory serves me right. I think
0: it was it was soft but um Look, it's 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 their game. Whether it whether it was a foul or not, I think it's it's their game. They're gonna try and get fouls around there, right? That's as you were saying before. Uh, a lot of their tactics is set plays and stuff. They're not gonna really get anything from open play. That that I was shitting it when when uh, the foul was given because I kind of felt like that was gonna be a goal. It's a perfect sort of area. I think it was a little bit far out. What if I remember it was like 30, 35 yards? So it was still a bit of a screamer, right? Um, but like it's it's what they're going to try and do. If it's not good, if it's not going to be a direct free kick, they're going to try and float it at the back post and get a head or get a foot and stuff. And um it's just what's just, just all they're going to do. It's all they're going to do. It's going to be corners. It's going to be long free kicks. It's going to be direct free kicks. And 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 it works for them, right? So it's it's like you were saying, Jared. It's something we really miss. We absolutely miss it. Um And maybe it's not such a focus for us because what, what we're talking about is like a whole rounded game and ours isn't really about set plays and stuff. So um, whether it was or wasn't, I think I personally remember it being quite soft, but I wasn't shocked that that was where they were going to try and get a foul in that sort of area, at the time
1: at least. I thought it wasn't necessarily the distance that made it awkward for Joe Hart. It was more the positioning because it was slightly off centre. So it was like, is it going to be the left footer or the right footer taking it? So the wall's got to be put to cover both and then Hart's got to stay in the middle. And that's what made it hard for him to just hit it off the bottom of the crossbar and in. That's what I thought made it was awkward. Not really the distance or whatever, but yeah, you're right there, John. You're saying like, we don't really. Oh, you're on mute there, Jared.
0: Just, yeah, you've just gone on mute. Just, just as you're making your great point, it was getting, all building up and it sounded brilliant. And then you put yourself on mute. (laughs) I think he's just going to fix his system. So yeah, do, do you want to say anything about the free kick, Shane?
2: Oh, it was just a—it was just a really good finish. I think Jared touched on it. You have to give credit where credit's due. It was a great finish, and um, look, it was tough for Hart, um, but to actually get the ball up and over the wall and down in time—that's a—that's tough. And um, yeah, a deserved goal, like a deserved goal for that finish. I wouldn't necessarily say they deserve to go in. On par with their performance, but um,
0: cracking finish from uh, uh, Tavernier, yeah. It's kind of one of those annoying ones, isn't it, as well? Because it's someone that I personally absolutely hate, which is Tav. I think it's just <laughs> that he scores such an absolute <laughs> blinder like that. It's, it's yeah, it's definitely all right. He's there, Jared's back, everyone. There you go, panic over. Oh, I
1: don't miss me too much.
0: <laughs> go on, Jared, yeah. you're making a good point there, mate. I don't even know where it cut out. To be honest with you,
1: <laughs> just as you were about to say about uh, Hart was set up in the middle, and the, yeah, so all i was saying is he was set up in the middle. We don't know if it's going to be right or left, and the ball comes in off the bottom of the crossbar. It's like, yeah, it wasn't too much Joe Hart could do about it. It was just an awkward position, and it was good finish. So, don't like Tavernier, but credit where it's due. Totally
0: agree. It's it's a it's a highlight reel. You know what I mean? Like it's, and if and again for the neutral. Uh, people that sit next to me, that that's you want to see that when you when you watch football, you want to see the exciting goals. So, um, yeah, I, I don't want to give him too much credit because Jesus Christ, like, it's Tav. But, he compared yeah. himself to a bloody Mbappe. Oh, Mbappe. <laughs> that was silly. When it, uh, that
1: is, oh, that's setting himself up. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, we'll. I uh, think we can leave the, the goals. Mug. But <laughs> the last instead of banging on about that goal for ages, the last one we need to talk about is Jota, And the back pass from, when was it? Suda. Suda. Yep. Soccer have got the good Suda. Scotland's got the bad one by <laughs> the looks of it. There you go. And um, yeah, that back pass McGregor's done. You could, you could see he wasn't going to get there. He needs some, needs a bit of oil in his joints or whatever. He's a little bit WD 40 or whatever. He's getting a bit old there and squeaky and everything. And, couldn't get there and hello, yeah. Barham it was great to see to <laughs> come through, grab it with the, <laughs> and score it. And then someone on on social media did that mock up of, um, you know, Larson's one, and then that, and it was yeah. exactly the same. It was just fantastic to see. And it's a tight, tight angle to
0: score from there, by the way. Like, I yeah. you know he's done he's done a lot of work to get around. Well, I would say a lot of work. He's uh, casually strolled around McGregor to get the ball. Um, and then but just to get that. You know the angles. It's, there's still a, there's still work to be done there, and he's done really well. So that's, that was a very very good goal, and that's all about Celtics intensity. You know the whole never stopping and always pressing. That's you know that's how you get that type of goal.
2: Yeah, there's some great footage from um, behind the goals where you can just sort of see Jota, and you can sort of sense what's going on or what might happen, and he's already ready to to make that move. And it's a it's a horribly hit back pass if if Suta plays that um better it probably doesn't happen but you could just see it as as McGregor's kind of coming out and Jot is zooming in uh, and the, the first thing that came to mind for me um was actually from from Lethal Weapon you know a quote from Lethal Weapon where Danny Glover's like oh I'm getting too God. old for this shit <laughs> that's what I thought of when I saw McGregor looking at the ball as, as just skipping in oh, I'm getting too old for this and oh, yeah. um yeah, but I agree wholeheartedly Johnny that's a tidy finish that's that is that is a quality finish from Jota because he's got it all to do. He's running full pelt, and it's a tight angle, and he doesn't have a lot of wriggle room. And it's a cracking goal. It deserves just as much credit as the Tavernier free kick, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. I always. have to ask you a question: Is that the first time you've ever sworn on this podcast? Because if it is, well done.
2: <laughs> I think so. I've been I've been trying to um to to make it a good one, and this just fit perfectly. <laughs> happy days and happy
0: days you now.
1: <laughs> yeah. It, so-
0: i think it reminded me of um, the the angle at least slightly different goals but it reminded me in the champs goal against lazio away where it's you know it, there was good work beforehand but there was still a lot to do to get the goal like it was still a very tight movement to go and get the goal so yeah it's the, it's the goals up there it definitely is it, it, and we'll be comparing it to Larson for many years to come i think Yep,
1: okay, so what we'll do is we'll just focus on a couple of players on the game and then we will uh crack on off the back of that into a few other topics. So, Shane, your boy Aaron Moy, what went wrong?
2: He just looked off it. He, I don't know if he was still underdone or what it was, but he just looked completely off it. Um, his passing was poor, um, particularly. Through the entirety of the first half, really, he seemed to be really sluggish as well. He was getting caught with the ball a little bit. It just wasn't clicking. You know, he wasn't alone, but he seemed to be the main culprit. Um, when I was watching it, um, second half he started a bit more. Well, after the the, the booking, um, shout out to the Parramatta Eels. It sounds like uh, Moi wants, uh, wants 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 a career change maybe after that uh, that tackle on um, on uh... oh, who was it. Who did he bring down? Was Morales. It? Morales, thank you. I thought it was. It's a good tackle. Um, anyway, he looked a little bit better, but he never really got going to that rhythm we usually see. Um, and I think it was a right move to
0: sub him off. I'd have done it earlier, to be honest. <laughs> a, lot a lot
1: of people were right. talking to, yeah, a lot of people saying do it at half time. Yeah. I, it I
0: it was
2: I, I think it was just a plet- I, I honestly think if we didn't have both McGregor and O'Reilly on cards. Maybe because I think, and it was a little you could just sense that maybe things may boil over. And Kevin Clancy was handing out cards pretty willy-nilly, there was every chance something could happen and a second yellow would come up. So I think, I think, and was just trying to see how the pattern of the game went at the start of that second half. And then when he decided that that kind of control was there, he felt, um, I guess he felt like he had more of a luxury to then bring Moy off at that stage, as opposed to earlier, and then potentially O'Reilly or Cal Mac getting sent.
0: Yeah. I guess it wasn't. I guess it wasn't bad enough to be like you have to be pretty rotten to get shipped at halftime, and he and it was just it was not. It was poor passing, all that stuff. We we all know what he was like in the game, but he just wasn't quite bad enough to get to warrant a halftime sub. I think we wanted it because we were comparing it to what we knew Moy was like. So it's like, well, that's not the Moy that we normally get. Therefore, it's worse. Therefore, he needs to come off. So I, I think maybe Ange is, you know, a bit more level headed than we were, obviously. And then, to, like, he's always going to wait to the 60 minutes to do subs anyway. So it happened to be kind of exactly what was it, like 62 minutes or something. So yeah, I think it's probably
1: just, it wasn't quite bad enough, but it was poor. It was very, very poor. Mm. Look, the only reason I brought up Moy is because a lot of people were just, he was the one, everyone in all the, Chats I'm in and out. We're talking about at halftime, and okay, he wasn't with it in the first half, but there were so many other players hmm. who were dribbling the ball when they should have been passing. There was other guys there who were misplacing passes. It was just, yeah. I think maybe two or three players in the first half could come off at halftime, going, "Yeah, I gave a fair shout here," and that would be probably Starfelt, Kyogo, and Johnson. That's pretty yeah. much it. Everyone else, every outfield player, every all the others weren't up to scratch. So it's a little harsh that Moy was the one getting singled out. But at the same time, it was his first game back from an injury and everything. But at the same time, you don't have a on the bench. You don't have, um, like you know, so you're missing him. You're one down there already. And then who's the other one that was missing? Abada's missing, which means, you know. That's a whole different situation later on. We almost brought Rocco Vardar on with mm. twenty minutes to go in the game. Like that says it all. Like we didn't have the same level of depth we normally would have had. So I think if Tade was fit, then Moy coming back from injury would have been coming off the bench.
0: Yep, yep. I totally agree. So it was. It's just, maybe he was just the, the not maybe not the. Worse of a bad bunch, but he was because just because of his position, and we know what he's like. It was one of those ones where it was he was under the spotlight quite a lot. Um, and we kind of expected a, a higher caliber, even even if he just had a bit of an average game, it would have been better than he was playing then. He was giving a lot of balls away. Um, it just, it just was below par, but like, yeah, it's, it's, one, it's one game, you know what I mean, it's he's been phenomenal. So it
2: definitely seemed more pronounced than usual, and it seemed to when I was watching it, now I'm you know I'm pretty bullish about Moy as as most could imagine and it seemed to really stand out for me. But to echo Jared's comments, he's totally right. There's not many that could have come off at half time and said, I've had a good half. Like we yeah. were under par across the pitch in a number of areas. And Moy, maybe he just was the one that was highlighted, maybe the most obvious, but there were plenty of others that, that could join him in those ranks. So
1: yeah. It's a lack of leg speed shane, let's be honest. If if that was Matt O'Reilly doing the exact same thing. But then he's a bit more mobile and can go and press and win the ball back a lot more than Moy. People aren't going to say, are going to come at hard as they did it at Moy at half time. Let's be honest. That's the way yeah. I look at it. But yeah. anyway, exactly. We've got some comments here to bring up. So, Michael Ross, so we can forgive Moy, he's been tremendous. Absolutely. Age, watch the first 15 minutes. Watch what Moy is doing off the ball. CCV should have found his runs and Celtic in front at half time. Oh, and Angel- yeah, and then Angelo CCV was below his best. Carl carried him for a change.
2: Well, that that, that ties in with Mahesh's comments, really. Um, yeah, about exactly. CCV not finding Moy's runs. CCV was one of the ones who was pretty poor uh, when coming off
0: at halftime. To be honest, it's an odd one, isn't it? I'd like that none of these players were. They've all been on very good form beforehand. Maybe it was just the 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 occasion. Do you know what I mean? And I think that game, winning that game has all but confirmed winning the league. So it was quite, maybe it was, you know, they knew that as well. It was just the head got a little bit spun out because it it doesn't make huge sense. They never played, they never like outplayed us at all. We kind of were below our standard, I would
1: say. If that's us, apparently, if that's them playing at their best and we're playing at our lowest level and it's a 3 2 win and we're missing goals. It's scary to think what will happen when we get guys back in and we play at our pace. Yeah. A 3 yeah. 2 would be a, a 5 2 or a 6 2. There's that magical score. So, um, yeah, it's a bit of an interesting one. So, yep. We haven't really mentioned it, but
0: Johnson was phenomenal. Jesus Christ. That Johnson was an absolute beast in the game. I thought that was one of his best performances so far. What
1: about you guys. I was going to name the pod neck and bottles like like Johnson. Yeah,
2: what was that? <laughs> very that was, Australian.
1: That was the other name for the op- for the for the episode tonight. But you know, I thought that may go over a few heads. But yeah, what a <laughs> yeah. what a guy. I'll just go oh, up yeah. there. Go yeah, we beat them. Smash smash some whiskey or whatever. Give a speech. Smash some more and take the bottle with him. What a bloke.
0: he, <laughs> and he, he and was, it, was yeah. tremendous. He really was, yeah. He really, really was. And
2: and particularly in that first half when we were talking about, obviously, you know, more of what didn't work, he was phenomenal. I thought he was excellent. And he set the tone and he was continually setting the tone throughout that first half. I thought second half um, maybe didn't have as much of an influence, but he probably didn't need to at that point. Um, Look, a couple of moments he gave the ball away really cheaply a couple of times. Again, certainly wasn't alone in that. But um, I think when... (sighs) to use a terrible phrase, when the whips were cracking, he really put in and that I think outweighs
0: any of the kind of the bad passing and stuff like that, to be honest. Yeah. He, he, he was my man of the match. It's it's easy to say Kjogor was because he got all the, the goals and stuff, but I, I do think it was Johnson personally.
1: Yeah, for me, Johnson. But another guy I want to mention we haven't really touched on, but Johnson played a lot wider instead of inverting as much because he was covering Kent so closely. Yeah. And Taylor was jumping in and um inverting and basically playing a back three with that. So I think our two full backs were unbelievable overall in the course of the game. But Johnson yeah was the man of the match for me. Yep. I agree. That the, the, brought... the, the go on Shane. Sorry.
2: No, no, you go, Johnny.
1: I was gonna say the whole the, the,
0: the tactics were very um were very clever. The sort of I think I think Safco started doing it uh, where they would overload a wing. And then they would leave, um, they would you know leave whoever, whoever. Which side they over- overload? And I think they were doing Kent side, so it had been Taylor that had been left on his own. Obviously, like you were saying, Jared. So, yeah. And then and then we did we did the exact same. We we went back and we you know had to match it and stuff. And it, obviously, we did it better because at the end of the day, we won. So, yeah, it was it was interesting from the tactics. We sort of matched them a lot, and then did really high, and that kind of won it as for as I think.
2: I'd, I'd probably go a little bit left field with man of the match. I, I, um, I ended up singling out Jota. Um, you know, he ended up finishing with a goal and an assist. But and something that I've been sort of wanting to sort of mention for a little while now is just his ability to to continually will himself um, and impact the contest and um, impose himself in a match. You know, it doesn't always have to be going his way uh, for him to be involved. He worked ridiculously hard. He tracks back really well, but even – and you could look at this on the weekend, you know, didn't have the best of first halves, wasn't awful by any stretch, but, you know, probably wasn't having the type of game that he does. But then in that second half, he works himself, he wills himself into the contest, and he's become a very consistent player that can impact matches. It doesn't have to be all going his way. And so uh, I loved his work in the second half, and I probably thought across both halves he was the the best player. So I had Jodder as man
0: of the match. As it was um, pointed out many times on the couch uh, that I was watching the game from, he's turned into an Aussie trader <laughs> with, with his bloody curly mullet and his big mo.
1: It's rocking a like, trading book. Every, trader.
0: <laughs> yeah. every trade here has the he same. <laughs> yeah. it's,
2: just it's Jotter, mate. I'll
1: do it less less for cash. Come on, make sure it's in cash, cash
0: in hand. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, getting some getting some VBs, and that's them sort.
2: Shout out to all the wonderful tradies. Don't don't come
1: after (laughs) me. Yeah, we actually love you. No, it's just we we really in jest good eggs. (laughs) hard working people keep Australia running. There it is. All right, so we'll um. I got a comment here from Angelo Tyro. I just want to touch on quickly. Ange could try his 4, four two, 2 2 again this week. Didn't we okay, see oh. it against Sevco a little bit? Oh, did we? I
0: didn't, I didn't I, I'm them.
1: pretty certain I saw it on the weekend when um, we had the two strikers up front, Owen Kyogo, together, and then we had Haksibanovic and Joda out wide, and then we had Awada and Kelmak together side by side. There's mm. your 4-2-2-2. Two, two, two. I'm pretty certain we saw it on the weekend, and that's when we stemmed the flow and got back in – Back like on top of our game again. So, yeah, it'll work for us. And that's something I think we'll see a bit in Europe next season as well. But, yeah, it was, um, it was good, good to see. And I hope we see a bit of it as well. But I don't think we're we'll going to play around with that too much at Killy on a plastic no. pitch. But, no. Yeah. Wouldn't
2: have thought so. But um, it's a good throwback. Yep.
1: All right. So, now for some fun. Everyone, if you're watching this later on, not live. Go to your kitchen, get a bowl of ice cream, get some jelly and come back because it's time to discuss some Sevco financials that were released last Friday night in that UK time to try and push through. So easiest way to look at it is I'll bring up a couple of uh, things here that were online. So easiest thing here is there's a, um, a Twitter account called Rangers Tax Case and they have a fair idea. So, Sevco financial position from one of the 60,000 experts in the east end of Glasgow. Their position is now a little worse than the Dead Rangers club they were built to emulate. With the Champions League League group money, they still could not make a profit but had a small positive cash flow. Dead Rangers made small profits in Champions League seasons and huge losses when they were not. Looks like the slight deterioration when comparing the the financial health of a new club to the old. The old Rangers club lost an average of 7.8 million per season under David Murray. The new Rangers Sevco are losing an average of 11.1 million. The old club has had the benefit of of tax fraud to reduce costs. The new club wasted lots, pretending it was a big club while in the lower tiers. Old Rangers had the clone. And the Clone Rangers had several problems in common. Celtic's biggest stadium and the season tickets and match day revenues, which it brings. Celtic's so commercial machine is firing on all cylinders and brings much more revenue. Sevco need to spend to stay at arm's length of a well managed Celtic. Of course, you knew this already. Some of the media, genuinely ex, genuine expect, expert from England must have told everyone. I am completely mispronounced that. So that basically it says that they were designed to recreate Rangers. They've done very well, They've got the same financial issues. And then it just rattles on a bit here about our our financial backing. We have built-in financial advantage over Rangers with the club size, the stadium. Something is always needed to create a tilt in that direction and that has been tax fraud in the past. Many suspect refereeing has been used to a similar effect. I've seen about 35 years of Ibrox Club spending money that they didn't have. Some people have lost lots of money in these two clubs. How long can it continue? So further to that, now we'll get into, that's just the taking the piss side of it. Now for the proper report, okay? So Sevco posted a £4 million loss in their latest accounts off the back of two player sales, director loans, and a Europa League run. They have McGregor, Davis, Holanda, Arfield, Kent, Jack, and Morales out of contract this summer with Tillman's loan also ending. They spent $15 on transfers this season and maxed themselves out to rebuild Edmiston Edmiston House, which is costing them a fortune in repayments, a million plus. They have two pending court cases, Elite Sport and the Sydney Cup organisers. They are reportedly increasing their season ticket fees. And you can bet your mortgage that there will be significant unrest from them if Celtic win another treble and they win absolutely nothing this season. Unless they want to be in breach of financial fair play's rules, there is no chance of them be forking out another $15 million in transfer fees. Which means picking up some more signs in the SPFL, lower levels of England, or loan deals, which Beale has said he doesn't want to do. If they're going to sign Tillman, it's an extra £5 million, which could be a big chunk of their budget. If they do spend big, then they'll breach financial fair play. If they don't strengthen significantly and replace those leaving, they will be watching Celtic lift the 54th title next season. Celtic are in a position of strength without needing to break the bank. All eyes will be on them this summer. If they don't get their transfer business right, they will watch Celtic canter to the next two or three titles with ease. No matter who we sell this summer, we will strengthen properly at Celtic and without the need to fudge the books either. So looking at it this way, Day is fucked. <laughs> Get the ice everyone. cream and jelly ready, everyone.
0: That's it. It's um some big issues on the other side of Glasgow for sure. It's yep. yeah. It's just it's just one of those things. They're going to contract. I, I I think they're probably going to plunge themselves further into debt. Is what's going to happen. I, I can't see them doing anything else. They'll probably they'll keep a lot of them. I think you're right, saying there'll be lots of loans. And there'll be lots of uh, like um. SPFL signings and lower league England signings and stuff. But I think Bill's comments, I think he's slightly delusional about him not wanting to. I think he's that's all he's, that's, that's his options. He's got, no, he's got nothing else. He either keeps the players he's got on a premium or he goes and tries to find cheaper or cheaper equivalents. So, yeah, I think, I think we shouldn't get so ahead of ourselves that to think that this is, you know, the the death of them or uh, that it's going to still be easy. I think, um I think, it, I think they'll still, they'll still fight. So yeah. Um but I I I think it's bad for Scottish football in the sense that we've seen a, another um small team go under. It's not it's not, not nice to see, I guess.
1: For me, John, it's not that it's not that I'm putting the cart before the horse and saying that they're gonna die. What I'm saying is okay, they've spent money they haven't had, and it's finally catching up to them to the point that they sure. either need to rein it back in and they're not gonna be able to replace like for like with those going out with with what they need to come in. So it's either going to bring them back towards the rest of the league or they're going to have to overstretch it Mm, again. If they overstretch, which is them being true to form, then we watch that ticking time bomb get close to the going off. Mm. If they actually rein it in, which is what they should have done when they came up through the leagues, they had a perfect opportunity. They were bringing through some players from their academy they had it bringing in a few name players they could have just built long-term. They weren't going to win straight away anyway, but they came in and they brought in Joey Barton. They bring in a bunch of other guys and they reverted, reverted straight back to type. This is a chance they can hit the reset button and do it properly to be sustainable the way we are, or they can stay to type, spend money they don't have, and go to the wall again. It's pretty simple. Yep. Pretty
2: interesting stuff. I must admit, um, look, most people know I don't normally comment on the financial stuff, so I'll keep this brief. Um, but looking at the figures that, that were reeled off, you know, it's it's clearly not sustainable. You can't keep running at a loss like that. Um, what surprised me the most was even after that glorious Euro- Europa League run that they still went at a loss. That that caught me a little bit by surprise, to be honest. But when I saw that, I thought, wow, that's um that's no good. And obviously, they'll get Champions League money in, for this season, um, but chain. The well, there you go. So they're running at a loss, right? So it's it, your lack of band theory, is spot on, right? Well, or you're, you're stretching it theory, lack of band, right? Eventually, that lack of band either breaks or it snaps back. You just can't stretch it forever. So, um, it, it's just not sustainable.
1: Yep, 100, percent good. That's what we want. we want. them to live within their means, like. They were the ones blocking financial fair play being implemented in Scotland for years ago. So if this is going to force them to have to do it. Then, hope hopefully that's the way it is, but I doubt it.
0: I think that I think their issue I think their issue is similar to ours, right? It, and, and and I'll say why, right? It's it, I mean most big teams, I don't mean like the mega giant elites, right? Like your Barcelona and Real Madrid and stuff. They they all operate at a loss. They always they always have, right? But they're in a league. Where that doesn't really mean anything, like they're always going to be able to pay their debts off because they're always consistently going to get more money in to pay. Do you know what I mean? Like it's like doing your own books, right? Like if as long as you can, as long as you can pay your debts off, then you're you're in an okay position. But they they it's the Scottish League, so they're just not going to have that position where they're going to guarantee to always be able to pay the debt. If they're going to go further and further into debt, then it's going to be harder and harder to pay off the repayments. They're not. They're not. They can't guarantee the the Champions League money. They can't even guarantee the Euro- Europa League money, right? There's like it's not going to give them enough. So that's their issue. Is that they, the further they plunge into debt? So it's, it's, I mean, it's why you know, soic and it's as infuriating as it is, operate the entire opposite model. We all talk about like the biscuit tin shit and all that stuff, but at the end of the day, at least we're smart enough to realise we can't rely on. All this massive mega money, so we have to have a little bit in the bank
1: just in case. Mm. That's just just smart, smart um, bookkeeping, isn't it? It makes sense because that's how Rangers went under. They were they missed the, they were stretching, stretching banking on qualifying for the Champions League to get that money in to pay off the director loans and the board and it, whoever yeah. else they owed money to, and then they missed the Champions League and then that was all over. I was a ticking time bomb after that. And like I said this year's Champions League money's gone already is they'll pay off director loans. they put it all into that Edmondson house. They paid off Mike Ashley. They did a bunch of stuff like that. So, you know, it is what it is. But we'll bring up some comments here. So, Angelo Tyro, if they re-sign Kent for 20 mil, they'll go under. Patrick McLaughlin, they'll be relying on loan signings and free transfers. And there'll be a couple of them for sure. I said last June, the goalkeeper situation at that club tells you everything you need to know. They've had four windows to replace a pensioner in goals. There you go.
0: <laughs> Do you know, honestly, the people I was watching the game with look, uh, looked at McGregor and went, Jesus, he's old. <laughs> like, what's what's he doing? What's he doing on the pitch? It's like he's to goals. Yeah, I was trying to guess his age. I, t- I said 42, and they went, 42? <laughs> he's, playing,
1: he's playing soccer, <laughs> 42? 40-
0: I like, yeah, yeah yeah that's
1: right <laughs> yeah uh, brilliant anyway we'll uh we'll leave that one there and we'll crack into the next topic because we just want to we don't want to go too bit far down this feral rabbit hole so kevin clancy has received death threats on the back of his performance in the glasgow derby so I can read quotes out, but everyone's probably seen them I in mean, all the papers, so there's not much point. The SFA and, or the SPFL, which one of them, SFA, has referred it to a significant volume of threatening and abusive emails to police Scotland in the wake of Saturday's derby. So to me, I look at it and go, a guy comes to work, does his job, one call doesn't go your way, you throw the toys out of the pram, and yet like a bunch of spoiled brats. That's pretty much what's going on here. And we've got to address. And the further topic off the back of that is why we've named the podcast this. But I want to get Shane and John on it. Your opinion on what's happened so far. So Shane.
2: Yeah. So I think if I can take a moment just to talk about the death threat situation and what's come out and. I've read supposedly that that Kevin's address um, his place of work and so forth has also been mentioned as, as online. Um, I think this is horrible behaviour. Um, I think anyone involved in that um, is just horrendously such a low thing to do. I, I can't fathom that kind of behaviour to, to target an individual because a 50-50 decision uh, didn't go your way. Um, it's reprehensible. You can't, you have to condemn it in the strongest possible terms. And I actually thought the statement that, they, that their club put out was terrible in a sense that it condemned uh, the abuse of Kevin Clancy. And then in the very next paragraph uh, basically said they couldn't believe that the SFA had stuck behind his decision. It was uh, beyond a joke. Um, it's actually beggars belief really that they'd even uh, try and stoke the fire like that. Um I think it's really disappointing. I, I think um, I think Michael Stewart uh, actually summed up exactly how I read the situation, and he, he talks a lot of sense uh, most times when hearts aren't involved. But he basically said the sense of entitlement coming from that club is is beyond belief, and it really is this the amount of decisions that have gone their way over the course of time, uh, you know, a, lum- a number of calls that are probably less than fifty fifty that they've benefited from. And they've had one call which easily could have been six of one, half a dozen of the other, as, uh, as the old phrase goes. And as you said, it's all toys out of the cot. It's, it's, it's terrible and you know no one should be subject to that kind of uh, abuse and threatening behaviour.
1: Yeah, I was actually going to bring up the Michael Stewart tweet that he put out anyway, but you just beat me to it there, Shane. So Michael Stewart tweeted, Rangers' level of entitlement is incredible writing letters, wanting explanations and apologies for one perceived mistake. I must have missed the numerous other clubs' ro- clubs' letters this season. St. Johnston must surely have done it after their game at Ibrox.
2: Well, you know what? When I, when I read that they were going to write a letter to it, you know, I'm not a meme guy, I don't make them. But you know, the first thing I thought up was for the was like, uh put your hands up if you if you think they should go through with this letter. And then I was gonna to cross to a picture of Connor Goldson putting his hands up to block the ball. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was gonna be a lot funnier than what it was. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take <laughs> a sabbatical now. I'm gonna sit back and I'm just gonna no. lick my
0: wounds. Yeah, it was it was funny, Shane. It was funny. I'll yeah. I, I stick the name, Shane.
1: <laughs> I'll picturing the name. of, the meme. Yeah. of <laughs> like this, with a letter between his fingers instead of the football. There you go. I was actually Seeing... that. See, it was funny. It just wasn't here. Funny. Yeah. It,
2: it was. Yours was funnier.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, Johnny, your take, mate.
0: It's 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 not. It's just not good to see. Um, I think. I think we're all mature enough to realize that Clancy had a had a pretty poor game. But as you as you've pointed out Jared that the guy just turned up and did his job and this is actually his, his other job. This is his part-time job. This isn't even his full-time. This is he does this because he loves football, right? And and as as much as I don't particularly like the guy. I don't like his refereeing and I thought he had a shit game. I uh, I can move that aside and say that a line has been crossed. And I think it's funny when you get you, when really serious stuff happens in football and we all sort of go it's just football Uh, and it tends to be a death right it tends to be somebody's passed away or there's been a major disaster and it doesn't matter what rival you have we all go nah it's football it's it's. we all come together This, this we can't have this happening again and i and i just don't understand why death threats aren't in that category I just, I, it, it, does it take somebody dying to actually realise that it's that it's football at the end of the day, and and all that sort of everything else that goes along with it? Because I understand circle ranges is complicated. I lived in it, but we can. There's moments where we'll go like, you know, right. Let's just ship it all to the side for a second. So I, I don't think death threats of anybody is acceptable, and I think it should be taken in the most serious way. I also think, as we've pointed out, uh, there is levels of accountability that need to be laid down at people's feet and i do think the organizers at rangers need to be they've like we've said they've stoked the fire um and i think they need to be they they, they need to hold their own supporters accountable and they need to help they need to realize their own responsibility and everything um uh, where they ever uh i think you'll probably come back to effort but it, this is goes into a big conversation of what we've been saying before it's what i've been saying before about like actually we can't even get refs at the lowest level of scottish football to get involved because why on earth would you get involved in uh you know lowland league or highland league football when you've got uh dads and, and granddads screaming at you also you know maybe not to the level of death threats, but pretty close because you're making decisions and it's it's just your weekend passion and you're getting paid like 50 quid or hundred quid to do it. It's like Jesus. And then that goes all the way up to the professional level. And it's like, well, what's the point is family and stuff. Do you know what I mean? It's that nah. there's a, there's a severe line that's been crossed and I hope all that have been involved, uh, get, um, what's their comeuppance
1: to be honest. I get, I hope they get punished severely. Yep. I absolutely hope if someone's done something wrong, they cop the repercussions for it. So, um, yeah, I've got um, the next thing that spins off the back of this as well is the reporting of the threats to Kevin Clancy in the uh, Scottish mainstream media. It's a reason why I've named the podcast Incred- incorrectly using the old firm. I'm going to bring up a few pictures here. It ties into this comment here from Patrick. Ali McCoy's caused all this with his over-the-top reaction. So you've got people like him in the media that don't know what they're talking about, and then you get things like this. Apologies that it's the son who was sent to us. Old Firm Ref's death threats hell. Old Firm Ref. And then the only mention of any club's name is in the writing over on the screen here, it mentions... Celtic 3-2 win at win for Celtic. So it only mentions us by name. It says Jers their chief condemns jobs, old firm. So it's putting us in with that mob. Hmm. Make that make sense. You got the daily the Daily Ranger. Hundreds of potential hate crimes. Police probe old firm ref abuse. Yet again, no club mentioned in any of it. Old firm. And then when you read the the thing over here for the score, it mentions Celtics win. Again, we're the only club named there. It's not us. Then you got this one here, the Scotsman. Up the top corner there in pink, police called in over abuse of Old Firm referee. Yet again, Old Firm putting both teams together. And then there's this tweet that sums it up perfectly from Tam. BBC reporting attacks on a referee by Rangers fans do so by not mentioning Rangers or their fans and using a picture of the Celtic captain being booked. And then sure enough, there's the article to the BBC, the link there, Kevin Clancy, referee and family threatened after Old Firm match. First things first, as we always say, it's Glasgow Derby. It's not Old Firm. But secondly, that's Mm. the second thing is they're just trying to dump us into the shit along with that, Mm. that filthy sewer rats from over at Ibrox it's just, um, and in strange love here is that's why the press use the term. It's to protect Sevco, and that's why we call yeah. them old term FC. So that says it all there.
0: Totally agree. That's that's what it is. It's, it's 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 this is just a narrative. There's already a pre-written narrative, and it you know what I mean it's the media are still trying to. They, they when we had it when it was really bad before I was born right so like the the 80s and stuff when it was um you know actually was the old firm and you know all of the stabbings and fighting and stuff and the proper heart the hardship right that that was a beast that the the media enjoyed because it always gave them something to talk about so they're so desperate to have that narrative held on to now that they'll do anything they possibly can to try and connect it back to this old thing that doesn't really exist anymore so it, it, it would have been anything if it could have been the tiniest little incident possible, even though this is not a tiny little incident. But it could have been a tiny little incident and it would have been old firm this and old firm that. It doesn't really matter. They just, they just want to talk about how vicious and, and how um, you know, how much of a spectacle it is and how much they hate each other and all this sort of stuff. So it's, it's not really about Celtic and it's not really about Rangers. It's, it's about, I'm going to say, English owners of media Desperately trying to hold on to a narrative that just doesn't exist anymore because it's not there anymore. We don't have the old firm. It's just not it's this. It's not a thing. I mean, this is this is serious, but it is very much labeled on one side of the of the sea. And it's got, I mean, I personally don't believe for a second it's got anything to do with us. Why? anyone who's a Celtic fan would give death threats to Clancy after we won. Most of them will be, be celebrating, right? We'll be partying and stuff. There's no, there's no chance we'd waste our time doing stuff like that. So it's so very much on the other side. But because just because you're on the other side, they
1: just want to draw it back into after,
0: this big, old After beast.
1: the game, we we won, Johnny. And I was just like, Clancy is absolutely hopeless. But we won, so whatever. And get on with it. But then looking going through some of the things here, like, um, where is it? Michael Ross, there are still stabbings. Mahesh, always not would have so advised them to use that form of language to prevent being sued. Now, the the thing we see whenever we go to Glasgow Derby, it's not the old firm, you see the response straight away from Sevco fans online, oh, but who owns the trademark? Who just renewed the trademark on the old firm term? What, Celtic and Rangers both own a 50-50 share of that Trademark. I wonder why, because we get money from TV for it. It's this mm. contractual reason, so people can't use it for free. But we, we as a club, we call it the Glasgow Derby. So it's completely different to the old firm and what it used to be back in the back in the good old days. Uh, implicate implicating Celtic is is
0: is purely purely just because most of the British media see us as the baddies. That's what it is. There's, 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 somebody said it. It's protecting rangers. It's just we're the baddies, so we can't, we can't tarnish the, the good boys.
2: Yeah, it's, it's. Um, shout out to Liam. It's a pity he's not on tonight's episode because I think he would have absolutely loved this topic and, For and sure. gone to town on it. To be honest, um, reading I'm and seeing those on headlines. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll try my best. Um, look look seeing the headlines that were posted i saw them today and obviously you've um, you put them up on the podcast was just extremely disappointing because it gets back to this whole kind of a discussion that that Liam's mentioned before and we've had we've had previously as well, as well about things kind of being put out there but but not really challenged or substantiated and so everything's mentioning old firm now you can look at it a couple of ways you can say that it's it's an easy way for people to sell newspapers. Maybe it appeals to more people and so forth. Or you can look at it a more negative way and say, no, they're trying to implicate us in this event, which is completely wrong. Either way, it just seems like it's been able to skip through again without anyone kind of going, hang on a sec, what's actually behind this? Where is this where is this coming from? What's what does this actually relate to? Are both clubs involved? Is it one club in particular? but it's just easier to implicate both. It's extremely disappointing. um, And I find it frustrating. I find it frustrating that, and I think Jared, you actually pointed to a really important point throughout all of that, We're the only club mentioned by name, it's, it's only mentioning the score, but we're the only one mentioned by name in the references to what's happened. And it's just terrible. It's hard to uh, actually find the words for it. Really. It's, it's frustrating to be privy to it. And, and it feels like, you know, it, it's hard to it's hard to fathom that they'd go down that path really, but it's not surprising.
1: Yeah. We've well, got a comment here from Michael Ross. When we win the semi-final, our players will need full body armour for the last Glasgow Derby of the season. Do you, just, mm. do you just give them a 3-0 and just don't show up? <laughs> and they get no ticket money either. <laughs> <laughs> you could, you do. know, just, just being clever, he'll just, just play the B team. Oh, yeah, just sacrifice the B's. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez,
0: B for body armor. If you go. No,
1: no, no, you figure it out. You pick a few players though who have got crazy contracts that you want to get rid of, right? Or recall a few people from loan. So we could play Barkus, we could bring in like. You know, guys like Liam Scales can come back and you can bring back, you know, just being an absolute dickhead here, let's be honest. <laughs> but Bring in some guys here, throw throw a few blokes in there and just chuck a James a McCarthy out there because, you know, he doesn't play, so let him go out there. And if he cops a few studs down the shin, no big deal, and off you go. <laughs> and I, I, I just wouldn't play. I'd just be like, all right, take your 3-0. We're still going to win the league by nine points or whatever instead of 12.
0: It's not a bad
2: idea.
1: I don't know if it's,
2: Andy it's, it's you know. sad it has to get to that though I guess that's the the underlining thing for me is it's sad it has to get to that that we'd yeah we'd literally go you know what we can't risk the safety we, we can't have our players our officials uh, you know potentially in an unsafe environment so we're going to have to forfeit like to get to that level is and, and it may have to happen but to get to that level is just shocking
1: It would be the only way that you'd get the SFA and the SPFL to do anything about it because if you suddenly do that, what's the biggest game that they sell TV rights on in the whole Scottish TV package? That derby. So if you pull the pin on it and be like, yeah, we're not playing because their fans are feral, they're going to throw bottles at us, coins, they put glass on the pitch, they've – you know, physio got staples to his head last time he was there. All these things have happened. And then we just be like, we're just not going to be safe there, especially with what's going on at the moment and death threats to referees. It's like we don't want to put ourselves out something needs to be done better for the league. The only way you'll get it is to do that, is to, you know, make a big song and dance and actually do something like that.
0: I doubt something like that will happen, but it, it, it's it's probably the most sensible thing. It's just a bin the game. But we'll, yeah. yeah, no, we'll we'll see. Hopefully hopefully stuff settles a little bit. That's that's maybe optimistic. I had a
1: Comment from Angelo about this topic because we knew Liam would love would have loved it. So <laughs> Liam goes down the sequel. That could be the uh the podcast name when the time comes. That yeah. is another topic Liam would have loved. Robbie Nielsen sacked by hearts. So, for me, not um, I don't I'm, I don't like seeing managers lose their job, right? But couldn't that <laughs> happen to a bigger dickhead? Like, yeah. this guy looks like he's run out of ways to say it's not his fault that they lost again. And overall, he was the 17th manager fired by an SPFL club this season. So, want to get your thoughts. Johnny, we'll go to you first. Is there a higher fire policy in Scotland, similar to what's going on down south now? Or is it just it looks that way because the same managers get recycled between all the different clubs in Scotland? I saw this. I think that's a very good point.
0: I think it is a little bit of the second one. I think it is just the same sort of managers getting recycled around, Um, which, I mean, maybe that's a topic for another day. But that's a, that's a, a big question about why we can't, you know, let's say outside of the Glasgow teams, um Arts, Hibbs, and Aberdeen are pretty big sides, right? Very historic sides. you should be able to get more of a up and coming manager to to you know that wants a cracker that sort of stuff. So I'm a bit surprised that they're not trying to it's money stuff. Probably is. Um but it's, I, I reckon that's a good point about recycling. Probably it's a lot of that. I think the
1: days but where you get like, on that, John, sorry, is Jim Goodwin. St. Mirren to Aberdeen to Dundee United in the space of eighteen months. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, exactly. Sorry,
0: what you were well, saying. No, but, but that's a very good point. It's just, and I think I think gone are the days where you get, you know, Fergie sticking around for however long it was. What was it, a decade or something? I can't remember. What it was. Um, and or, or you know, you get you get a manager for a very long extended period of time. Managers tend to last a very short, term, very very short time in today's modern football So it seems to be some something going on in Scottish football right now where it is just like sort of higher fire as quickly as can as quickly as you can. But if you look at the if you look at the table sort of below what well, can i can't remember i think it's below uh, aberdeen hearts where it's like there's like 50 50 51 and then it's like everyone's like really it's like really competitive below survey ranges so yeah it's like it's so high pressure at the rest of the table that i can see that they're all fighting for the european spots um so and 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 that has implications further down everywhere else as well probably the relegation as well i can't remember what the relegation is going on i think that's also super tight as well um so i think i think there's a bit of that um but i i I just think loyalty to managers have gone and i think i think it's a nonsense i think it should give managers at least a season season and a half to to try and do something and and
1: yeah, and it's just that's just the the world we've got just now. I, I... So, the easiest way to look at the the ladder at the moment is as us with a twelve point gap to Rangers, with who then have a, I think it's a nineteen point gap if my maths is right, to Aberdeen in third. Hearts are two ahead of fourth, but then from okay from third through to, through to sixth. now oh, we'll go on better. 3rd through to 8th, there's 11 points, the difference. And from 12th up to 8th is also 11 points. So the team in dead last is the same amount of points behind the team in 8th that the team in 8th is behind the team in (laughs) 3rd. Yeah. yeah, That's mental, isn't it? It's pretty competitive.
2: Uh, I I think it... I think it had to happen, though, for for Robbie to go because they were a very safe third. Um, they were never going to challenge the top two, but they were a safe third. And the likes of Aberdeen and Hibernian had, had their ups and downs and really weren't in a position to challenge them, provided they kept kind of at their usual pace. Now, they've ended up losing six of the last seven in all competitions, including losing like five in a row or something like that. And relatively heavy defeats from in a couple of them, but also you know losing to teams you probably wouldn't have expected them to. So I think that and the fact that they've now dropped to fourth, and you know they've got uh, an Edinburgh derby coming up against Hibbs, so they drop that. Saint Mirren could jump above them into fourth. They could find themselves fifth um, sooner rather than later. I think it. I think they had to move now. In terms of the, the higher fire stuff, yeah, I think um, there does seem to be a little bit of that kind of recycling stuff. I mean, I'm thinking of people like Stephen Robinson and Derek McInnes and so forth, um, not wanting to make this all about Ange but just, well, maybe I should, Celtic podcast, but, you know, obviously Celtic went out on a limb a little bit, got Ange, different environment, different, different part of the footballing world, it might be you know, open up others to make those kind of decisions instead of going for similar managers already around the league, they might say, let's try this league over here. Let's look at some Australian managers who are doing well. Let's – maybe this might be a little bit of an opening that other clubs that are lower down um, can take advantage of.
1: Yeah, 100% agree. So it'll be interesting to see when um, the Kevin Musket rumours to – you know, take over for Beal or whatever startup.
0: <laughs> I don't, I don't know, um drag on about it, but did, did, who was it who signed? There was like a Juventus assistant manager or something that was in the Scottish system. Oh yeah. No, I don't
1: know. He went to, he took over at, um, at, Alessio or, or Alessian or something like that. He took over at, uh, Killy.
0: Yeah. Come That's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's right. His he, path moved on. Yep
2: yeah just when Steve moved on to manage Scotland, he took over and uh, it didn't really work out, unfortunately. It's not always foolproof. Like you have a lot of people come in who might want to play some pretty expansive football, and they simply don't have the the players to be able to achieve what they're after. So there needs to be a level of pragmatism as well. but um you know still, it pays sometimes to look outside the box. I agree.
1: All right, know, for for uh, every
2: every Pedro Cashinha, there's a And posta
1: right? Poster- so- <laughs> well said, nice. There we go. All right. So, I quickly just rattle off something, Shane, that you brought to my attention is that we've mentioned, I've mentioned in particular that Celtic should look at signing left back Jordy Boss from Melbourne City, who has just made his international debut for Australia. So it doesn't look like that's gonna happen now because it looks like Man City are signing him from their, you know, sister club, Melbourne City. And then it could potentially be if we were to get him the Arzani type of move where Man City get him and loan him up to us if we wanted him. But it looks like he's gonna he's the next one to do that path from Melbourne City over to Man City and then they'll just sell him on and make a nice little cheeky profit for financial fair play reasons in a season or two. So you know, I would have liked him to come to us, but, you know, it doesn't look like that's going to happen.
2: Uh, I wouldn't be so sure. I, I think the Arzani situation has a lot of legs here. They'll, He's he's an exciting prospect. They'll bring him in. He's obviously not going to shake the first team at Manchester City straight away. They're going to want him to to get some game time. The way he plays and his qualities, I think, would suit Celtic, and and I think he'd benefit from playing in our system and learning under Ange Postacoglu. So, I could definitely see him getting a loan type deal out to Celtic, and whether that turned into a, an option to buy later or something like that, I'm not sure. But um, just because he goes to City, I wouldn't rule out necessarily seeing him in a, in a Celtic shirt next, next season.
1: I hope you're right more than I am. But anyway, we'll uh, we'll leave that one there. So, all right, on Sunday at Rugby Park, Celtic versus Killy. Shane, what's your expected starting lineup?
2: Yeah, so I was just reading before we came on air, it looks like Ange said that there um, there won't be any sort of injured players coming back on the weekend, uh, being pretty conservative with taking uh, players who are returning onto that plastic pitch so you can rule out Hattate in midfield. So with that in mind, for me, a back four, well, heart in goal and in a back four of Johnston, Um I think CCV, according to some of ours in the group, might have picked up a, a fifth booking it's, and therefore yellow, is yeah. out. So, so he's out. So you'll probably see Starfelt on his preferred side. So Starfelt and Kobayashi. Uh, welcome to Scottish football, Kobayashi. Here's a plastic pitch. Um, <laughs> and Greg Taylor on the left. Midfield. Um, I don't know if Moy. Um, Retains his spot or not? I can see Calmac and O'Reilly staying. Maybe Awata and Calmac pushes a little bit forward. Moy on the bench. Um, up front, I think Maeda, Kiogo,
1: and Jota. Johnny, any changes for you?
0: Um, well, I think I think very similar. I think Awata might get a start. Um, I thought it was surprising that Barnaby came on on the Glasgow derby, so um, yeah, we might see him give Taylor a rest, and then maybe Taylor comes on later on or something. But um, I don't think it'll be too different. I was actually I, I didn't know about CCV, so I think that's, obviously that's a guaranteed that could actually starts. Um, but I don't think Ange will mess about with it too much, so fairly similar. I think I think the only one for me is that I think plastic pitch Moy's not 100 percent fit sort of stuff. It, yeah, you might just. Breath him and his game. Put a water on instead.
1: Everyone's going Awata in the midfield instead of Moy. For me, I was actually going the other way. I was like um I was actually wanting to put uh, Turnbull in instead. Yeah, I could see that for sure.
0: Same sort of player as Moy. <clears throat> Controlling
1: games, slow, you know, slow build up, direct yeah. passing. So, yeah, hundred percent. All right. So, score predictions. First, first scorer and score predictions. So, Shane.
2: Uh, I'm going three nil, and I'll go
0: Jota. That's Funny. like ex- exactly what I was going to say.
1: Also, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'll, I'll be different. Then I'll say uh, three one and Maeda.
1: Cool. I'll go seven two. <laughs> <laughs> be different. Come on. No, just, oh, okay, we'll go. We'll go five one, and yeah, mate, uh, first goal scorer. As if we're going to concede
2: twice. Come on.
1: Yeah, <laughs> let's that's that's scaled it back to five one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Got to be realistic.
0: Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, good fun. We still haven't had the double digits yet, Jared. Yeah, I know. Oh well. Yeah, we, we still need a double-digit prediction. Least still,
2: we've still got uh, two more Glasgow derbies to come, Johnny. Come on. <laughs> That's yeah, true. true.
1: We'll do true. it at Hampton. Do it at Hampton doing <laughs> some style. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks for uh, tuning in for the pod. We uh, appreciate each and every one in the comments and, you know, everyone who's subscribed to the channel. If you haven't done so, you're on YouTube. Hit the like button for the video. Hit the subscribe button, the notification bell, so you get notified when all three of our shows go live, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. If you're listening to the audio version of the podcast, thank you. Hit subscribe if you haven't done so. And, uh, yeah, join our Facebook group. We've got our Twitter and Instagram at Celtic Down. You can find us there. Other than that, we'll uh, go to a final thought. So, Shane, we'll go to you.
2: Still football related for me. Big shout out to the Matildas uh, who um, in the early hours of the morning here went over and beat the Lionesses 2-0 at, uh, at Brentford Stadium in uh, the perfect uh, way to make up for the 1-0 loss uh, to Scotland uh, on the weekend and uh, perfect prep for the uh, Women's World Cup, uh, which is in Australia in July. So uh, go on the Matildas. And no, Sean, I'm not using their actual... Uh, sponsorship name. They're the Matildas.
0: <laughs> What's their sponsorship name?
2: Oh, you weren't going to, you're, you're <laughs> going to say uh, that. They're, they're, they're technically the Combank Matildas, just like they're
0: the Subway Socceroos. Oh, oh gross. Yeah. Nah, I'm oh, loving that. Yeah. Keep yeah. on. Johnny, final thoughts. <laughs> um, music as always. Um, I listened to a, a band I haven't listened to in years um called Floors and Walls. Uh they're actually from my hometown in Margate in Kent. Um uh, they were very, very popular and sort of semi famous, I guess, like sort of local celeb sort of thing. Um, because obviously they're from your hometown. So I used to play all the time. I used to watch them a lot. Um I've recently found out they're not playing anymore, which is sad. Um but yeah they're really really good. I really like them. If you like sort of they called it chavcore which I hate, but it's like hardcore alternative music but because they've got an English accent from the Southeast, it's Chavcore. Um, Anyway. uh, Yeah. So yeah, if you, if you like just sort of slightly upbeat, um, hardcore music, give them a go. They're they're Flaws and Wolves. They're brilliant. I like them.
1: I had a final thought, but I'm not going to say what I wanted to because yeah, I've just realized I will probably get the channel taken down. So thanks everyone (laughs) for tuning in. Uh, We appreciate it. And um, yeah, Hope everyone had a great Easter. There you go. That's my final hey, thought. Yeah. Good. Hail hail everyone, and we'll talk to you next week. Hail hail. Sports Social Podcast Network